to sign up for a life group, we're asking that everyone sign up for one life group, at least at the beginning, unless you're going to sign up for a life group and a prayer meeting. Anybody can come to the prayer meetings, and then you get to go to two for that week if you would like. But one regular life group to start with, and then if we find out that there's openings, we'll go ahead and open it up to those that might want to be able to avail themselves of something more. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. I really am. And for those of you that are joining us online, we're grateful that you are a part of our family. And we love you. We miss you. We look forward to the time that you'll be able to be with us. Um, Over these last several weeks, we have taken some time to look at the principles of what can happen in our own souls if, without even intending to, we actually begin to tolerate the work of the enemy and how God wants to make us fit for the Master's use. If you weren't here for those messages, you can certainly avail them online. Uh, This morning, I want to take some time and kind of sew up this very brief series that we did into a somewhat neater package. Uh, I want you to see how all of this kind of fits together in one composite picture. Now, there are a number of verses that I will be reading today. If you want to turn into those verses in your Bible, you're welcome to do that, or you might just jot down the reference and listen as I read them. So there's going to be several, and I'm going to start right from the beginning. Matthew 4.17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1.14, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Luke 4.43, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. John 18:36 Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here." Now, what I want to reference this morning in a very brief way, this would actually become a seminary teaching, but I want to do it in the briefest way possible for our purposes today to kind of knit this all together. I want to talk to you this morning about the difference between the kingdom of God and the church. But every time you hear the word church, I want you to incorporate into your thinking the idea of the world system as well. The kingdom that Jesus came to declare is not the kingdom of this world. There is a kingdom that is higher than all other kingdoms. There is a kingdom that is higher than all other political or national systems. There is even a kingdom that is higher than the church. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I want to do that in several different ways. So my first point is very simply this. The kingdom is eternal while the church is created to be a time manifestation of the kingdom. The kingdom is eternal. In other words, there will never be a time when there won't be a kingdom, because there will always be a king. But the church, once time ends and is rolled up like a scroll according to the Scriptures, and we enter into the fullness of eternity, Church will be no more. We will merely be what he has declared us to be, the bride of Christ. The kingdom is eternal, whereas the church 
is temporary. The second thing I want you to see is that in Matthew, if you listen carefully, Matthew, almost in every single case throughout his writings, refers to the kingdom of heaven, whereas the other gospel writers refer to the kingdom of God most usually. And there are some who say that when you talk about the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God, there are different stratas of spirituality. There are different levels. But I want to suggest to you that there's a far simpler and I think a more accurate answer to why Matthew would use the term kingdom of heaven and Mark, Luke, and John would say kingdom of God. And that's because Matthew's audience were primarily Jews. And Jews were very sensitive to using the name of God. Remember, one of the commandments were, you shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. So when the Jews, actually when the scribes, would take the Scripture and they would copy it, every time they came to the name of God, they would write the name of God, they would take their writing utensil and they would throw it away. They would go and wash their hands and then come back and write some more. They were so serious about honoring the name of God. And so Matthew knew that if he used the term kingdom of God, that would become offensive to the Jews. So instead of saying the name God, he said heaven instead. So they're declaring the same truth, heaven and God the same. So the third thing I want to say to you very simply this morning is, I want to talk about how we enter the kingdom. There are some people who think that just because you get saved, you're automatically in the kingdom. But if that's true, what do you do with what Paul said in Acts 14? And again, Paul is talking to Christians in Acts 14. He's actually talking to leaders within the church, to elders. So these are Christians. And yet Paul says this in Acts 14, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. It seems to me that there's a whole lot more to this whole idea of entering the kingdom than just getting saved. I would suggest that you can be saved, you can be born again, and not very much live in the kingdom of God at all. That you must, even as a Christian, learn how to enter into kingdom life. Uh, I believe it's possible for you to be saved, to have Jesus Christ as your Savior, it is possible for you to have your ticket punched for heaven, but not live in the kingdom very much at all. In fact, not know much about the lordship or the kingship of Jesus Christ. In Matthew eleven twelve, the scripture says this, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So what I want to talk to you this morning is about how to aggressively learn how to enter into kingdom life. Now, the next thing I want to remind you of, and again, I know some of this is stuff you guys all know already, but it can seem so basic that it seems almost simplistic. But I think its simplicity can be lost in us. So my next point is very simply this. If Jesus isn't the king, then there is no kingdom. There's no kingdom without a king. In fact, the word kingdom is actually two words. It's king and dome. King, you know, the one who is in charge, the potentate overall. But dome actually refers to the sphere or the area in which a king reigns. It's a, it's a, a shortened version of domain. The king's domain. So if we don't have a king, you have no domain. You have no kingdom. 
The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said as He came on the scene. Why? Because the King was present. So wherever the King went, the kingdom went with Him. So when Jesus said the kingdom is at hand, He means, I'm here. I'm in your midst. you got to remember, Jesus wasn't just a cute little baby lying in a manger. He is also the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that's really what this whole series has been about. That all of the stuff that the enemy has put upon you over the years, maybe from the time you were young, the lies that were spoken over your lives, and I've told you some of the lies that were spoken over my life. And, and I believe that the same demon that wants to come and accuse me of those lies today is probably the same demon that entered into and spoke through the different people in my life, whether it be parents. And I'm not saying they were demonic. I just mean they, they in their immaturity, would say things that were destructive to the soul for any human being. Things like, you know, you're no good. You will never amount to anything. You're so stupid you can't. You don't have a brain in your head. Those kinds of things are things that were said that can actually latch themselves to your souls. And God wants us to be free of it, but the way we're free of it is when we recognize the king has higher say over our lives than any lie of the enemy. The next idea I want to introduce to you, and again, I'm going to teach this almost like I am doing it in school, although each point would become a whole thing in itself. But each point is significant. I want to talk to you about uh, the idea that was first introduced to me uh, probably 30, 40 years ago by Brother Fountschultz. And that is the idea that a kingdom has borders and limitations. Every kingdom has borders and limitations. Uh, when I go from New York State into Canada, there's a border. And in order to cross that border, I have to go through certain steps. A border has definite limitations. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have driven out of the state. My wife and I are actually going to be leaving uh, later on this week, uh, towards the end of the week, for a vacation. And we're going to leave New York State. When we leave New York State, there's going to be a sign that says, now leaving New York State. But the interesting thing is, there's going to be a, a distance. There's going to be like a cushion between New York State and the next state we enter, which will be Vermont. So when we leave, it's going to say leaving New York State. But we're going to travel for a while before it will say, welcome to Vermont. So there's definite limitations. There's a space. There's a separation between areas. And so the kingdom of God is different. It is separate. It is limited from the world system or even the church system that is out there. Um, a border. We, we talk about borders. Uh, when we uh, did our house next door, the parsonage, um, my wife wanted uh, to do something that I honestly I'd never even heard of. because I, I grew up in a very simple home, uh, a farm home, so we didn't have anything fancy like this. But my wife wanted us to put a border along the top of the wall. Any of you guys got borders in your houses? You know, borders? It, it's almost like you, you, she thought I wasn't smart enough to know the difference between the wall and the ceiling. So she wanted there to be a border to distinguish it. And that's the kind of thing that we do. We have to recognize there is a border. There is a limitation within the kingdom. A border separates and distinguishes. Another way of thinking about this would be like a threshold. Um, 
Like if you came through the doorway into the church right now, there's a little rubber strip right there. That's considered like the threshold. And so when an engineer or a contractor would build a house, they would have different rooms. And in order to distinguish between the rooms, they would put a doorway or a door system. And then there would be a threshold there. And it lets you know you're going from one place into another. It's distinguishing between the two rooms. So that we would talk about perhaps a groom when they are newly married, picking up his bride and carrying her across the threshold. So one of the things I want you to catch this morning, though, is that because the kingdom is different, it's distinguished, it's separated from the world system, there are people who are in the kingdom and there are people who are not in the kingdom. And one of the greatest dangers is to hang around the kingdom, the doorway of the kingdom, the threshold of the kingdom, long enough that you've learned kingdom speak. You've learned how kingdom people look and how they act, and you've begun to mimic them. But though you act like them, though you speak like them, you're still outside of the kingdom because you haven't yet entered in. Um, one of the interesting things that uh, engineers, contractors did when building churches, and this is true for years and years and years, they would build the building with an area right out there before you came into the sanctuary, they built the building with, with what is called a, um, a vestibule. Or perhaps you might call that a foyer. Or if you're really fancy, you would call it a foyer. But that, that was an area that was separate from the formal church sanctuary. Now, interestingly, it's not true here, but in a lot of churches, they had another area on the back end of the church that was called the vestry. And when the minister or the priest would come in, he would enter the vestry, he would take some things off, and he would then put on some things. He would take off his worldly garb, and he would put on his spiritual garb. In the same way that when you come into the vestibule, especially during the winter months, you take off your boots, you take off your coat and hat and gloves, and you leave them out there, and you enter in. And it kind of is what Jesus talked about, or what Paul talked about, rather, when he talked about, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. So that when you enter the kingdom, some things are supposed to, are intended to be put off, and some things are intended to be put on. So over these last weeks, we've been looking at the different spirits, uh, different things that we have had to look at. And so those are like spiritual baggage that we carry into the kingdom. And God wants us to put off that stuff and put on Christ, put on His righteousness. Now, there's another concept I want you to catch, and that is this. It's possible to live in the border country, yet never fully enter into the kingdom. Live in that area between the states, as it were, but never fully enter in. In fact, I would say that, this is just approximate, but I would say approximately 100% of us have never fully entered into the kingdom. There are still things in our lives that need to change. Is that true? Are there things in your life that need to change? Things. Perhaps the best way to think about this is with this four-word uh, four phrase. It's called, no longer and not yet. Isn't it true that you're no longer the same way you used to be? Right? You've changed. But isn't it equally true that you're not yet what? you want to be? Is that true? 
So, no longer, not yet. It's like when we were born again of the Spirit of God, we entered, by virtue of choices that we make, into a kingdom lifestyle. We are changed. We're no longer the way we were. But we all in our hearts know we're not yet what we're going to be. In fact, John tells us in John, 1 John chapter 3, when He appears, we will be like Him. Right now, we're fashioned kind of like Him. But we're not all there yet. But we're becoming more and more like Him. One of the things I want you to catch is the kingdom is not just a place. It's a process. It's a process whereby we grow up and we change. We're, we're, we're putting off stuff. It, it is... There are some people, I can remember, uh, in fact, I just had somebody send me a video recently, um, and they're talking about this whole idea about the kingdom of God that's going to come at the end of all time. And maybe this pandemic, maybe COVID-19 is ushering in when the kingdom will come. And in their mind, the kingdom is there and then. In their mind, the kingdom is going to come only when Jesus returns, when it's the second coming. Then the kingdom will come. But I want to suggest to you that the kingdom is not just there and then. The kingdom is here and now. That when you get saved, if you make choices to accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to enter into His kingship in your life, you begin to enter more and more into the kingdom of God and so that the kingdom is both there and then and here and now. It's no longer, but it's not yet. We're in the process of coming out of the world system but we're also in the process of entering more and more into the kingdom. So it ought not shock you that your thinking begins to change. Like people will say to me, well, uh, you never would have said that, Pastor Chris, 20 years ago. And I'm thinking, I hope not. I hope I have grown up and changed in 20 years. I hope that I have different viewpoints. Fount Schultz used to say all the time when he would teach his class, he was a funny guy, and he would say things on purpose to get you upset, to kind of stir you up. And he would say, what I'm going to teach you today is heresy. Heresy is anything less than the full truth of God. And I know that what I'm going to teach you, tomorrow God's going to show me something more and I'm going to realize what I taught you wasn't exactly 100% right. Well, in the same way, we're growing slowly, but we are growing in God. And we're not the same way we were, but we're not what God intended us to be. We're, we're in process. I'm no longer what I was but I'm not yet what I am going to be. Now, the next thing I want you to consider is very simply this, that the kingdom of God is most often presented as a spirit of confrontation or conflict. There are things that happen when you enter into the kingdom of God that means that you are entering into a new spirit realm. We've looked at in the past the spirit of affliction, the spirit of confusion, and then the spirit of condemnation. Today, I want to take this little brief time we have and look at the spirit of confrontation. It's when you enter into the kingdom of God, you are faced with confrontations every step of the way. There are things that will rise up against you. There are spirits that will attack. Those are very real things. That's not just made up. That's not just something you're imagining. Those are real attacks of the enemy against your life, and against the kingdom of God that dwells then within you. you. You think about the spirit of confrontation. When Saul of Tarsus was riding on his horse, or donkey or whatever he was riding, he was riding along that street on his way to jail Christians. And the scripture says he was knocked off of his high horse. What he didn't realize is that as he was riding along without even 
knowing it, he began to enter into the border country of the kingdom. And when he entered into the border country of the kingdom, his human flesh couldn't handle it, and he was knocked off his horse, and he was blinded for three days. See, Saul didn't know he had just entered the kingdom, but he had, because the kingdom had come searching for Saul. It's Jesus uh, having confrontation again and again. I mean, how can you read the Gospels and not see that Jesus was constantly confronted by the religious leaders of his day, by the Jews, by the Romans, even by his own disciples? There was confrontation. There was one day when Jesus comes along and these guys were out fishing. And they didn't realize that the border of the kingdom was walking towards them. They just thought this was some guy along the shore. But the kingdom of God, present in Jesus because he was the king, was coming to bear upon them. It, it was a part of it. So Jesus says to them, hey guys, did you catch anything? And they said, no, no, we didn't catch anything. He says, well, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Again, they didn't know the kingdom of God was speaking to them. They just thought this was just some guy who was bugging them. They didn't realize the kingdom of God was coming searching for them. And, and how true of it is it for you that as you look back, even at your own salvation experience, you thought you chose God. You thought you went through a doorway that said, I choose God. But when you got on the other side and you look back at that same doorway, you see up on the top of it, it says, God chose you. Well, in the same way, the kingdom of God came and it surprised the disciples. And when they threw their nets over and they pulled in the great catch, all of a sudden they realized there was more about this guy than met the eye. Because the king was present with his kingdom. It was Moses seeing this strange bush burning. I mean, here's Moses on the backside of the desert just minding his own business, just tending his father-in-law's sheep, doing nothing special. But all of a sudden, the border of the kingdom comes chasing him down. Now, Moses didn't know it. In fact, I think if Moses knew it, he would have run away. But he couldn't have run fast enough or far enough because the kingdom of God pursues us as his people. But Moses stopped and it says he went aside to see what was going on. And he began to have a conversation with this burning bush. And the burning bush says, take off your shoes because the kingdom of God is present. It was Peter walking down the street one day, and I'm still, it still amazes me to think about. Here's Peter, just Peter. Think about Peter. What do you know about Peter? Peter was stubborn, he was loud, he was brash, he was arrogant. You know, he says, All these others, they're gonna run away and flee, but I will never betray you. And yet, within 24 hours, he betrayed the Lord three times. And here's Peter, just normal fisherman Peter, unschooled, uneducated. He walks down the street and people get in his shadow. And when the shadow touches them, they're healed. Why? Because there was a kingdom present within Peter. And people just stepped into the kingdom. And when they stepped into the kingdom, they got the effects of the kingdom. That's the nature of this kingdom. There is a power struggle that's going on. You've got darkness on one side, light on the other side. You've got righteousness and you've got evil. There's a confrontation. And it's not just a confrontation on the outside of you. Sometimes the confrontation's inside of you. I can still remember the first time I realized that when David says the words, 
let God arise and his enemies be scattered. If you read the context of those words, David's talking about the enemies inside of him. The things that struggled against living for God wholly, but then doing crazy, stupid things sometimes. There's a confrontation. But sometimes the confrontation isn't just out there. Sometimes it's in here. It's what we talked about when we talked about this whole issue of sanctification, of being changed for it. Jesus said in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of this world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Unfortunately, too many of us live with this kind of survival mentality. We're just hoping to hang in there till the end, that we can just make it till Jesus comes back so that we can go to heaven, that we can somehow just get by. When He didn't call you to survive, He called you to actually thrive because you live in the kingdom. You know, the rest of the world might say they're going crazy. The political world, the, the, the governmental world, the health world might be going crazy. But you live in the kingdom of God. So why is it that we are getting so caught up in the stuff of this world and we're forgetting that we are first and foremost primarily citizens of the kingdom of God? And I say that to people who are God lovers, but you're spending, too many people are spending more time talking about politics than about God. Politics won't solve the problems of this world. Scientists won't solve it. Doctors won't solve it. The only thing that will solve it is King Jesus. And that ought to be what we talk about more than anything else. I'm not spending my time as I'm working at the Redemption Center or here at the church in the community. I'm not spending my time talking about COVID. I know it's real. I know it's out there. I know you have different views about it. But what I want to talk about is the kingdom of God. I want to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is better than all of that. You might have your own views. Your views might be the same or they might be different than mine. All of that doesn't matter. What matters is, what about the king of the kingdom? That's all that really matters. So don't get caught up in all the hoopla of this world system. Let's keep our focus upon the kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 16, uh, he was talking to Peter and he said, I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The implication is hell is stationary, but the kingdom of God is advancing. That's what you are. You are agents of the kingdom. Everywhere you go, you carry the kingdom of God with you because you have the king dwelling within you. Jesus Christ in you is the hope of glory. So let's stop getting so bugged by the stuff going on around us. Let's stop making masks the big topic of discussion. Let's make Jesus the topic of discussion. He's far bigger and he's far better than all the rest of that stuff. You might have to wear a mask because that's what's required if you want to go to a restaurant, if you want to do something. Fine, then put the stupid thing on and quit arguing about stuff. Let's make Jesus supreme in every way. Let's make him our all in all. All of us have different testimonies. Different ways that you've come to Christ. But in some ways, we all have the same testimony. The border of the kingdom pursued us until it caught us. 
I didn't know anything about God. I, I grew up in a family. We knew nothing about God. The only God I knew was my father talked about being a young altar boy in the Catholic Church and how much he hated it because he despised the priests. They lived like kings while he lived like a pauper. That's all I knew. But God pursued the Lanabo family. And he brought redemption to us. We didn't know that the day that my dad stepped foot into Spencerport Assembly of God, that he had come nigh to the kingdom of God. And when he began to weep uncontrollably so that he, in embarrassment, ran out of that church and went home, his life had changed forever because he stepped foot in the kingdom of God. I thought throughout this week about, uh, and maybe this dates me, I don't know, but years ago when I was a kid, there used to be a, a show on TV called The Twilight Zone. And Rod Serling would say, they didn't know it, but they've entered the Twilight Zone. Well, I, you didn't know it, but you've entered the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, it trumps the twilight zone every time. It got nothing on them. Confrontation is very real. Sometimes it's out there. Sometimes it's in here. But you're carrying something. It's almost like you have a disease. But it's a good disease. It's called the kingdom of God. You're carriers of something. And everywhere you go, you carry the kingdom. You carry the presence of the living God. Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, what are men seeing? Look at the verse. What are men seeing? Your good works. But what's behind your good works? The glory of your Father. You carry the glory of God within you. Do you know that? Do you live with that knowledge that you carry the glory of God inside of you? If you're a Christian, if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have embraced the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you carry the glory of God within you. You're not just bearers of His presence, you're bearers of His glory. The Scripture says we're being changed from glory to glory. And every day, there ought to be more and more glory dwelling within you because you're so much more aware of his presence. Each of us is given a portion, an inheritance that we have to live out. It's kind of like when, when I was single, I lived a certain way. But then when I got married to Karen, I had to learn to live a different way, and my world enlarged. And then when we had Jonathan, and then Jeremy, and then Jennifer, our world enlarged again. And we had to learn how to live that way. And then when they got married, we had to learn again. And then when they had kids, and we have grandkids, we had to learn again. Every one of us have an inheritance, a portion that we have to learn to grow into and to grow up in. One final verse, Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If it's God's pleasure to give us the kingdom, why is there confrontation? Because the Scripture says, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There has to be an aggressiveness. There has to be something in you. It's not automatic, in other words. Yes, the kingdom will come pursuing you and grab you, but if you want to enter more and more and come out of the border country more and more into the kingdom, you have to make those decisions. I've said to you from the very first day of this series, I've said there's decisions that you have to make. How are you going to live? What's your family going to be like? Who are you going to be? What are you going to live your life like? There are people who become Christians and it seems like they've never changed. 
They're the same way they were 30 years ago. Well, my desire, and I hope yours too, is I want to change. I want to become more and more like Jesus. And I don't think the answer to entering into the kingdom or seeing this world change is rioting and protesting. I don't think that's going to change much. I don't think violence is going to change it. I think the only thing that's going to change it is the kingdom of God. And so my encouragement to you today is that we enter more and more into the kingdom. In fact, let me just ask you, are you in the kingdom today? I'm not talking about have you said the sinner's prayer. A lot of people say the sinner's prayer and it's like abracadabra. It's just a formula they say so they can get to heaven. Maybe there was faith involved, maybe there wasn't, I don't know. My question isn't whether you said the sinner's prayer. My question is, are you in the kingdom? Have you entered the kingdom? And are you walking more? Are you at least in the vestibule? Where you said, I've heard something about this Jesus. I'm interested. I don't know exactly where I'm at. But I'm kind of following along until I find out what this is really about. Is the kingdom on the move in your life? Do people see change in your life? Or are you just the same old, same old? Are they seeing the fruits of the kingdom in your life? Or have you stalled out and become stagnant? What about the kingdom in your life? Would you bow your heads with me very briefly? And again, I want you just to ask yourself, are you walking more and more aware of the kingdom or are you spending more time thinking about this world system and the politics of it? Is the kingdom on the move in your life? It might not be a burning bush, but is God speaking to your heart? Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that you would cause us to recognize that when we enter into relationship with you, you are the Lord, you are the King. There is no one higher than you. And that with that in mind, there ought to be that which distinguishes us from all other peoples of the world. And as surely as we distinguish this place from the rest of the world, this is the sanctuary, the house of the living God. Just as surely, we who are temples of the Holy Spirit are distinguished from the world system around us. We're not going to try to fight our battles with swords. We're not going to try to use politics and legislation. It's not going to ultimately change the hearts of men. The only thing that can do that is you, Jesus. So do it in our hearts and do it in our world. Lord, as we even think about beginning life groups here within this next little bit, let each life group be a point of connection for us, for friendships to be developed, for encouragement, for courage to come. But at the same time, that we would recognize that we have the ability and the responsibility to change the world around us, to change the atmosphere because we are bearers of the kingdom. Let us become kingdom people more than Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians, more than white or black or whatever color on the spectrum is out there. We are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of God. Let that be our testimony, I pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Uh, we're going to